Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Today, I'm interviewing one of my favorite people in the world, Andrea March. Andrea has been described as a serial entrepreneur. In her 20s, she launched a jewelry import and distribution company called Andrea March's Accessories, and that turned out to be a multi-million dollar business for 20 years for Andrea. And then she moved into doing some other amazing things for women. Uh, She co-founded Women's Leadership Exchange, WLE, which is how I met Andrea, and she was kind enough to involve me in her organization, Um, and it's a social entrepreneurship organization founded by and for successful businesswomen. She's done many other absolutely amazing things, and I can't wait to uh, talk with her and share her insight with all of you on the Female Red Zone. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much, Mary Beth, and I feel the same way about you. We've had a great association uh, through the years, and I look forward to the interview. Well, one of the things that, you know, when I first met you, it was when you were getting involved with the Women's Leadership Exchange. Talk about how you started that and and why you felt that was necessary. And, and the thing that I'll mention before you get into it, it was incredibly successful. Like, you guys were doing meetings across the country, and you're still involved in it, but meetings across the country where you were getting women to come out of the woodwork to these events, and it was absolutely amazing. So talk a little bit about how you decided to start that and, and sort of the impetus for that. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, it has been quite a ride. And uh, we started uh, Women's Leadership Exchange in 2002. And uh, at that point, there really were not many conferences for women-owned businesses, and especially successful women-owned businesses we considered ourselves the middle child. We were in a startup. This was for women who had revenues at that time of over a million, and it wasn't just a $100 million company. So we, so we, we classified ourselves as the middle child conference. And um, the reason we started it is because you had mentioned that I had some businesses before, and I always had businesses with revenues over a million. And... I never knew that there was another level. I had the biggest aha when I realized that if I had connected with other women who had the the um, ideas and insights that would help me build my business and the solution to my co- solutions to my common problems, I could even go higher than a million. So we started Women's Leadership Exchange. And you know, everything is relative because when we started Women's Leadership Exchange, one of the members of my Atlanta Advisory Board was Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Mm -hmm. She had just started her business in 2002. So if you think I'm successful, look what (laughs) happened to Sarah. So I'm very humbled by that. And I've met unbelievable women, you know, through, throughout the, the 16 years that, that I've been in business. And I feel that there are so many more women I can help. And that's what WLE does. It gives you the knowledge and the tools to take your business to another level. And we do it through, you know, wonderful conferences all over the United States. Uh, I've done 92. Could you believe it, Mary Beth? Oh, my gosh. 92 conferences. Uh, and about 40,000 women have, have walked through our doors. So I'm very pleased 
about, you know, the success that WLE has had, but more pleased that we've been able to be instrumental in the success of other women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's celebrating success. And I've been to many of your uh, events and spoken at some of them. But, you know, the people that you put up on the main stage, there's always such learning that goes on. And I think that's, you know, that's part of it. It's not just women getting together. It's women getting together who are business people who can talk amongst each other um, themselves, but also learning from these incredible people that you have connections with and that you bring to your events, which I think is amazing. And that leads me to my question, which is, of all the speakers that you've had, um, you know, sort of on that main stage, what what is one of them, if you could share, that, that they just provided so much value, was very popular with your audience? Well, you know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, when I look back, you know, at all my Compass Award recipients, uh, Gloria Steinem comes to mind. Uh, she's absolutely brilliant. I, I've had the pleasure and the honor to be in her company a few times. And I, I'm amazed, I'm blown away by, you know, when she speaks, every word is meaningful. Hmm. And I think, you know, she's done so much for women. And then, uh, Dr. Sarah Weddington, the woman who uh, argued successfully Roe versus Wade. And she's, she's, a, she's um, an unbelievable woman. But her story, which is not really told, is the reason she was given this case was because she was a young woman in her early 20s in Texas, and they thought she had never tried a case, and they thought she would lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the very first case that she had was before the Supreme Court, which is daunting in itself. Unbelievable. And so, you know, it, it, that's the, the, the insights that you get at a conference like mine from hearing firsthand from someone, you know, how they, you know, how, they, how, how it appeared to them and why, you know, the insight was, you know, of course, the, the ramifications of the case, you know, are debatable today. But the idea that they took a young woman who had never argued a case to me was remarkable. So, you know, and, and, and we've had Maria Contreras-Sweet, who went on to be the administrator of the SBA, Governor Ann Richards, Billie Jean King, Lori Grenier, Jane Fonda. We were on 60 Minutes with Jane Fonda. Uh, so I've had quite a run. But these are women who have shifted the paradigm of, way the, of the way women are perceived as leaders in the world. And, you know, it could be us. Yeah, and that's what what that's what you can get out of it. You know, go as far as you can go. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, and absolutely amazing the kind of women that you've interviewed that have not just broke barriers, but have done such amazing things. So, so that's WLE. That's Women's Leadership Exchange, and that's the kind of power that you've brought there. But what's next for you? What 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 is something new, maybe that you're working on that you can share with uh, with the audience? Well, I have something very exciting coming up the pike. And um, it's going to be on October 20th in Atlanta. And it came about, you know, uh, because of, of the connections that I have made throughout the, the years of, of my, of my uh, WLE, um, we were very instrumental in helping UPS start their women's initiative 10 years ago. 
and it's now going on their 10th year, and they wanted to do something. They came to me and said, what can we do to celebrate? What can we do that's different? And I've had a dream, and it's going to be in Atlanta too, <laughs> that that corp, corporate women, you know, that's that wasn't my bailiwick. My bailiwick was women entrepreneurs. But it is a sore spot for me because I feel that we haven't made the strides in that area in, in uh, gender parity in corporations. And we're not on the right track track for it. So what what could I do to help that and make a difference? So when this opportunity came, I seized the moment and I said, what would happen if we got corporations, the CEOs, the C-suite level people at the conference, the heads of the women's initiative, and the heads of, of um, HR and diversity and inclusion. We got them all in a room and we said, okay, we're going to share best practices, the successes and the key takeaways that they have had with their women's initiative and equalize the playing field. So in other words, if you have just started your initiative, we can get you up to speed and then move from there. Hmm. And so that's part of what we're doing for this new conference. It's called Women's Leadership Exchange Thought Leadership Summit. But basically, it's going to be a little bit different because we're going to create effective pipelines that identify, develop, and promote women, supply the support guidance and leadership training for women to deliver powerful business results and, and develop assessment tools to give women insight into themselves and their organizations. Because it's not only, you know, I think corporations do a wonderful job. Their heart is, is in the right place. But it's a very difficult culture, corporate, corporate culture, and also a stigma that we have to overcome. And women themselves have have problems, and we have to recognize that. You know, it, they're 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 fearful. They don't they don't think that they deserve to be promoted. You know, I I always uh, used to say at at women's leadership exchange conferences that here we women support women. If I ever said that in a male conference, they would not know what I was talking about. <laughs> so. You know, we still have to overcome that. So at, at this, the, the goal of the uh, WRE Thought Leadership uh, Summit is to have all the companies get together and every year meet and be accountable for what has happened the past year. What difference did this make that they are part of this initiative? And I think that if everyone is accountable, we will move the needle. Yes. Why do you think that in, in not necessarily with UPS, they've, they've made some incredible strides and, and done some incredible things, but for other organizations that really have struggled with moving the needle with their diversity initiatives and, and really creating change, why do you, 
what do you think is at the root of that? Because everyone talks about it, but we've been talking about it for years. And I know you've taken and done some things and have seen some change. So talk about what you think is going on, maybe that's not working in those diversity initiatives. Well, I, I, I think that, um, first of all, you need the CEO's support. And in most cases, you have it. But he has a company to run. So what happens is, he now says, I want to have a women's initiative. I want to supply the tools, the support, and the training that they need. And then the women's initiative is given to somebody who's, this is not their, their chief job. Mm. They are someone else in the company who has, has been um, volunteered for this position. And it takes many years to get up to speed to know exactly what to do. So, so let's just use an example of a company that, that is given this di directive to start the women's initiative. It's five years in the making before they get anywhere. So then what happens is the women themselves who belong to these initiatives, and I've, heard, I've spoken to them personally, they're fearful that if they talk about things the way they really are to women who at that time are their peers, they may be talking to someone who's going to be their boss hmm. in the future. So they're not completely honest about what's happening, nor do, nor do they want to be. They're not transparent. You know, it, 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 it's a difficulty. We're not, we're not giving them the facts as, as they really are. We're giving them the facts sometimes as we want them to see it because we don't want to stick out. Right. That's something that I think is, is a problem. I don't think it's the corporations. I think the corporations want to do this. I think it's educating everyone in the corporation, not just. And, and, and as Sarah Weddington, Dr. Sarah Weddington said to me, Andrea, the only way you are going to succeed is with the support of the men. It's yeah. very good that you have women come to the conferences, but you should have men come to the conferences. And yeah. she was right. Well, that that's exactly right. And I've, um, you know, I, there's a lot to be said for that. But I heard from a woman that I interviewed, Dr. Margaret Heffernan, on this show. And, and I asked her, you know, the same kind of question about diversity. And she had a similar answer, but it was uh, it was rooted in the fact that a lot of diversity initiatives are the, the person in charge is a is a woman and it's not that 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 doesn't make her qualified or makes her qualified it's just that if a man is in charge of it let's say a white man is in charge of the diversity initiative at a big company uh, he doesn't have any skin in the game he does this isn't his issue this isn't something that he's fighting for and everyone looks at it like oh well you know she's just fighting for her women's issues no this is actually fighting for the company and profitability and the goodness you know for all and those sorts of things and it comes across differently when the men in the organization are leading the charge as opposed to you know passing it off to a woman and saying you know go do this and she's not necessarily maybe feeling like she has the voice like you were talking about or maybe she doesn't feel like like, um, well, she's getting the, the response that she wants because people think that it's her, quote, her issue. And, you know, the, it's interesting because I never, ever thought about that. Well, let's have the let's have the men run the, you know, the initiative to get more women in the C-suite. Well, that makes sense, right? 
Well, I, I, agree, I agree somewhat, and I agree because there's one, one ingredient that I didn't mention is that sponsorship, not mentorship. Ah, yes. And I think that, that men, if they would sponsor, what I mean by that is, you know, we all can take advice and it would be wonderful about a lot of things as we're working and a lot of the challenges and, and solutions for that. But when the job opening comes, the person who advocates for you is the most important person that you know. So if you don't have male sponsors, and women are, you know, stuck with that job because, you know, they say, okay, you're going you're gonna to mentor Mary and you're going to mentor Sue because you're the only C-level sweet woman we have. And she's un inundated with, with mentees. It's not going to happen. It's for the guy to say, instead of, you know, Joe would be good for the job, Mary would be good for the job. And, and I think that that's an important, and you're absolutely right, it is to create a groundswell within their organization where all senior leaders are heard and celebrated, where they can mingle amongst themselves, but that they understand that there's an inequality there. Yeah. And I think that, that is really, you know, the situation. You know, um, I, I think men have mothers, they have sisters, they have daughters. They, they want women to have equal parity. It is up to, you know, a, a, a number of things, you know, and, and I think you're right. Men most certainly have to be included, but it's how they're included. Right. Right. No doubt. And the other thing is, and, and going back to your sort of fear, well, this person could be my boss. And so I don't want to be out there um, talking about all these things. And then, you know, it's going to hurt my career. And, you know, it's interesting that you that you said that because, I've looked at some of the things that I've done in my career and recently I've been doing a lot of research and I've been doing research, you know, and, and I have a marketing firm. And so, you know, we're doing research on, on performance and sales and, and marketing related things. But one of the things that's really important to me is female leadership. And so we've been doing some research there and I got advice from an academic woman who's high up in, in, a, in a university and said, well, I don't know if you want to do so much research on women's issues because you could get branded as a feminist. And I thought to myself, what the heck is wrong with that? <laughs> like, what would be so bad about that? But for her, it was like, well, then you wouldn't get the things that maybe you should get by being more well-rounded in your research. And I just thought that was the most, it came from a woman who has been, you know, she's, she's in her sixties and she has been through a lot of things and you don't want to brand yourself as a feminist. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I do, you know? <laughs> well, you know what Madeline Albright said? There is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Yes. And um, I think that women sometimes do not support women. And I can't understand it because, you know, my, my whole idea is that we have to support each other. Uh, but I know that that happens. Uh, I think that it is the uh, sponsorship. I think it is the culture. And I think that if the the atmosphere is there and the accountability is there, I think I think the the, uh, the key word really is. So we have these things. What is that going to mean yeah. each year? Right. Are, are we going to grow? Are we going to? And 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 it doesn't have to be 
you know, huge, you know, that all of a sudden 50, it's going to be 50-50. It's making strides and, and understanding what is helping because it's, it's also the pipeline. It's also how fabulous would it be? Now, we're using Atlanta and taking all the corporations in Atlanta and, and having this happen. What a wonderful statement it is for a woman to work in a company, corporation in Atlanta. Mm. Because they have taken this initiative to heart. And I'm working with the uh, Metro Atlanta Chamber, Hala Malamog, who was a Compass Award winner, um, and um, to, to make this happen. Because Atlanta is a progressive city, but you know, how great would it be if women knew where they, where they worked, they could get ahead. Right, exactly. You know, but a lot of these, a lot of, a lot, what has been to date, in my mind, and I could be wrong because I'm not aware of everything that's being done in, in, globally, but I haven't seen significant strides. And it will take the next 10 years probably, but incrementally, I think there will be a difference. And once corporations are known for this, it becomes their culture. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's, you know, and, and that's, you know, part of it is the why. Why would you want to do this? Just so we can say we've got uh, an equal amount of men and women in the C-suite? I mean, that's not the why. And when that becomes the why, then we have all sorts of problems. The why is right. that we're actually a lot more profitable and successful, and there, that's been proven out over time that if there's more diversity, there is more success in organizations. And it's been proven out in the boardroom. It's been proven out uh, in, I mean, even in investing. The, um, investment managers that are women have different performance than men. Well, then why aren't there more of them if they're doing so good? And so it's looking at the why, not looking at the um, you know, just that, well, we just need to have diversity, which then you, then it's feminist for no reason. And that's really not the purpose of all of this, right? Well, you know, the purpose really is to affect change. And Margaret Mead said it best, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And I think you have to start somewhere but the commitment, and that has to be there. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be successful for my granddaughters. Mm. And that's the important thing for me. In, in other words, what, what, what can I do to make their lives, you know, as easy as mine was? Because as an entrepreneur, you know, you can, you can, you don't have to report to anyone. You know, it's a different, entrepreneurs, it's a whole different, I mean, now I'm seeing, you know, when I'm working with corporate America, you know, everything takes time. Right. Lots of time. And, yes. You know what I mean? Nothing moves at a fast pace. And when you're an entrepreneur, it does. So, you know, I'm having to, you know, kind of take a step back and understand the culture of that and to work with it. So, you know, I, that, that's, that's, I'm so happy about this and excited because I do think I can make a difference. 
Absolutely. And you already have in so many ways. And so that's amazing. But let's talk about, let's shift gears for a second. You know, you've had so much success in your career in, in you, you know, you're saying like, well, I hope I have success. Well, you've had lots and lots of success over uh, the years in your entrepreneurial ventures and all of that. But if you looked back and said, what was something that happened to you that was kind of a failure? It didn't go the way you wanted it to go. That has that has been a real learning experience for you. That that changed something for you, perhaps. Well, you know, uh, we've all had a lot of failures. Sometimes very small, where you say, "Why did I do that?" And sometimes big decisions. And um, I did have an idea in 2010, 2011, when the uh, troops were coming back from Iraq to start military women's exchange. And I worked very hard for three years on this. And um, I worked with the American Legion at their national convention for three years in a row. And I had a women's division for military women, military veterans. And, and, and uh, women in the military don't, don't think of themselves as veterans. They think of themselves as women in the military. Hmm. So it's very hard to reach them once they... They're deployed in them when they're out of, out of the service. And also, it's, it's an insane situation, but there is no parity where generals who are men and, and uh, generals who are women are concerned. When a man re- general uh, who's a male retires, he is promoted and he is on boards and he can have any job. He can be a spokesman. He can do anything. When a top woman in the military ends her career, basically that's it. Really? And so yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, um, I've seen it so many times, and, and I don't want to mention names, but um, that women have retired and, and they're left on their own, you know, to, to, to do something. Nobody even recruits them. Uh, so, and men are, are, they can have any position, you know, in the, in the leading corporations on boards. And these are, these are, are women who have commanded tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people hmm. and have been given tremendous responsibility. What could be more responsibility than, than protecting the nation? Right. So it's, 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 it's very, it's very frightening. And what, the reason it was a failure, and, and I, and I admit that it's a failure is, that I didn't have political connections, and I it, it was the marketplace was flooded with good intentions. So I think there are forty thousand, you know, uh, companies that are dealing with the military transition to civilian life, and it, I just I didn't make it, you know, and and I and I, I I'm sorry for myself, but more sorry that I couldn't help those women. Right. What, um, has there been anything that has happened since you tried to do that that has actually made change in that space? Well, you know, if they, listen, if, if something helps one person, it's something. Yes. But uh, on a large scale, uh, I don't see it happening. I think that they're, they're forgotten. Women have have uh, different issues when they're no longer in the military, and also they weren't re, re, letting them re-op. 
So if, if, and this was a male and female situation. So people who thought that they could make a career of, of, of being in the Army, Marines, or, or the Navy, the Air Force, they weren't allowed to because we didn't, you know, we had too many troops. So we didn't think of what was going to happen when they came home. We didn't put much thought into it. And what that meant to their lives, their children's lives, their parents' lives, you know, it, 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 it's, um, it's unsettling to think that we didn't have forethought in that area. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I honestly, you asked me the question, and, and I hope the answer is yes, but, but I don't think so. Well, maybe just more awareness uh, can can help. Like you said, one person gets helped, and and that's making change. But um, yeah, a, initiative that is out there to be served, I think, um, is what is what it is. So, well, Andrea, how can people reach you? How can people find out more about WLE and about the other initiatives and things that you're doing? Well, um, I would be happy if they did, and they can reach me at womensleadershipexchange.com that's the website and a march at womensleadershipexchange.com and I'd be happy to talk to them about any of the issues we discussed wonderful well thank you so much for sharing your insight and you are so wise from all of the experiences that you've had and thank you for sharing some of that with the audience today Thank you so much, Mary Beth, and what you're doing is so fabulous because it gives women a chance to hear from so many different people and be inspired and, and, and have results. So thank you so much. Well, you are welcome, and thank you. This is Mary Beth Kosmaski. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.